Tired of boring online text discussions? Looking for a way for students to annotate, critique, or analyze images, videos, presentations, and documents? In this episode, we'll examine how VoiceThread can augment class activities and assignments. Thanks for joining us for Tea for Teaching, an informal discussion of innovative and effective practices in teaching and learning. This podcast series is hosted by John Keane, an economist, and Rebecca Mushter, a graphic designer. Together, we run the Center for Excellence in Learning and Teaching at the State University of New York at Oswego. Today, our guest is Jeffrey Ryman. Jeffrey is a coordinator of the Center for Excellence in Teaching at the Fashion Institute of Technology. He's also a consultant and educator at Parsons, the New School University. Jeffrey is a council member and the incoming chair of the State University of New York's Faculty Advisory Council on Teaching and Technology. At FIT, the Fashion Institute of Technology, he is also the chair of the Faculty Senate Committee on Instructional Technology. Welcome, Jeffrey. Good morning. Today our teas are... Fresh ground Guatemalan through a coffee press. Very nice. <laughs> My tea is a black currant black tea from Tea Forte. I have an enchanting forest fruit tea. I switch in the afternoons to a zesty ginger and chamomile mix. That sounds yummy. So we invited you to talk a little bit about your use of voice thread at FIT, and I was wondering if you could start by helping our audience know what VoiceThread even is. Okay, that's a great question. Let's start by making a comparison. In uh, online courses and many other teaching modalities, people use text-based content for communicating, for having conversations. In online courses, that's always an asynchronous discussion forum typically used. And none of these tools have presence. You're reading thoughts, you're hearing things, you might see a picture, you might even see a video. But the third wall, let's call it, is always up, meaning there's no interactivity, there's no sense of presence that is more human. What VoiceThread does is allows you to integrate both voice and video, or either into an asynchronous conversation environment that allows people to actually hear each other. So when it comes to storytelling or articulating concepts, you can actually see a talking face, hear what they're saying, and in addition, under the right circumstances, the commenter also has the ability to draw on the image or pause a video and doodle on it, as they call it. The cognitive gain from being able to listen and see a person speak and actually watch them draw vastly increase the cognitive gains over text-based communication. I would also imagine that it helps with students feeling more safe to converse in that environment because anonymity often makes people feel like they can say whatever, and sometimes things come out where it's not so human. So if you have a human voice and face, I could imagine that might eliminate some of those concerns around anonymity. 
Well, even if it's not anonymous, yeah. if you just see a name, yeah. it doesn't it identify anonymous. with a person, right? Well, in order to make that effective, the teacher has to show their game by being a video and by being a voice that's both animated and relaxed, and that takes practice. But when the students see the professor actually engage, I think they're put much more at ease. And I will add that very shy students and students who are both shy and ESL love the fact that they could re-record their comments as many times as they need until they're satisfied that they've articulated. The most difficult thing in face-to-face classes with these type of students is they have to be extemporaneous and that's what causes the paralysis. I have had students who I had both in an online course using VoiceThread and then had in the classroom, and they all told me that VoiceThread made it easier for them in a face-to-face environment as well. Now, you mentioned that text discussions tend not to have the same sense of presence, and I agree. I've always been somewhat disappointed in the quality of text discussions in online classes, but the one thing that I noted that they had over face-to-face classes is that the point that you just made that they have a delete key at least. But with VoiceThread, they not only have a delete key, they have a re-record button. And they can edit what they say, they can re-record it as many times as they want to make it correct, which takes one of the advantages of text-based online discussions and actually gives it a lot more flexibility. Yeah, so I might add to that, because you're absolutely right, when you're using VoiceThread, just like you don't feed your dog the same food every day, if you do, you have a very bored dog, With VoiceThread, you do not need to use this for each and every lesson. That text-based mixed in with some VoiceThreads causes students to think in a variety of ways and express in a variety of ways. And let's face it, text-based communication is probably equally critical to good presentation skills these days. And so writing is important as well. A starter document could be videos that are posted, it could be text, it could be a portfolio, it could be PDFs, it could be a presentation, it could be just links to websites. So there's quite a bit of flexibility in terms of what anyone can post, including what the instructor can start with. Yeah, you could add a link to any, I mean, when we talk about the ways that people use VoiceThread at FIT and other VoiceThread users, I think you'll see the flexibility there. I've given some workshops and as we go here in the past, but I never was able to get many people interested in exploring it. What prompted the interest in VoiceThread at FIT and how did it get so widely adopted? Two words, art history. So art historians, there are very few classes that people will see in almost any university that are so linked to visual communication as art history, or history of design, or anything that's rooted in the creation of visual media. Uh, Art historians were among the first at FIT to really engage fully with fully online courses. And as a result, they discovered that they could actually put up a painting by Michelangelo and that they could lecture about it, draw on the painting to bring to bear certain pieces of important information regarding symbolism, quality of painting, and so on. And to do these in lecture forms that then allow the students to pause the lecture and ask a question. Now, that started something where this is seven years ago now, a while ago. And then my background being in visual communications, I began to show instructors how they could 
in design class, create a VoiceThread where students post their work and receive critique using VoiceThread. Once again, because you can take a VoiceThread and you can blow it up to full screen. And so if the image uploaded is appropriate quality, which requires some practice for the students, a professor can look at a piece of media and comment on it. I wouldn't say for a drawing class, it would be the first choice, but I would say for design, absolutely. And also screen grabs of like web design and so on can be viewed and drawn. And some professors actually make a voice thread for every single student so they can have some direct interaction. There's a way that students can create voice threads too. FIT has a campus-wide license, which means every student and faculty member has a voice thread account. There's something called create a voice thread where you assign the students to go and create a voice thread and they might post their work. Or I've done things where I've said, go out with your phones and take pictures of artifacts in New York that represent historical references that have been spackled over or painted over and make a voice thread of six slides and then do a narrative explaining what you found or where you found it. And they love it because they're used to being in social media to a degree yet everything in VoiceThread is behind our authentication wall. But among the early ways we used it was to send students out to the museum, pick an object and critique it or discuss its history and symbolism. And they took to it quite well. There is a text-based comment method in VoiceThread that most of us disable. VoiceThread allows you to control right. what type of comments are used. It also allows you to moderate them. So if somebody goes off the rails, you can make sure that they're not hitting the class until you get a chance to see what they say. How long does it take to learn VoiceThread? Is it complicated for students or faculty? I do a session with faculty I call Quick Takes, where I promise them in 30 minutes from login, they're going to have made a video and a lecture. And all they have to do is come with a PowerPoint and their face, their mouth, and their ears, and we're all set. So because we have a Blackboard integration using LTI, this allows people to go into Blackboard and choose VoiceThread as a tool. And it creates a link that allows the professor to both create and share. So what we do is we go in and we just do a video and I usually ask him to do a welcome video. I encourage all faculty to make welcome videos, no matter what course they're teaching, because if it's August and you're opening your course early, or you just want to include a video, you could share it with the students. Say, hey, I'm so excited for you guys to come to class. Here's a little bit about me. And you can tell me something about yourself while you're at it. And people like that. And they like the fact that they're not worried about QuickTime or Premiere or Final Cut. They don't have to worry about editing. Because if you record videos, say you wanted to do five different videos in one lesson, you can record them as five different items within a given voice thread and even rearrange the order if you want or delete them. So it eliminates editing, eliminates worrying about a lot of stuff. Mac users love it because every computer is fully equipped. PC users get frustrated when they have to run out to Best Buy and buy a cam and a microphone. But Many people now are recognizing the importance of just equipping their, their PCs appropriately. Right. And pretty much all laptops, which is what most students would have, would have 
cameras in them and microphones. Yeah. So it's, it's more a problem the for the professors clinging to their desktops. Right. <laughs> and I believe VoiceThread also works with mobile apps as well. So students could use yes. smartphones and so forth to create and participate in VoiceThreads. Yeah. Any tablet or phone, you can both create, comment, and watch VoiceThreads. And from the professor's point of view, because everybody always worries when they set up their first discussion, will the students come? Will they participate? You can control notifications so that you not only will be notified when a student makes a comment, you can listen to the comment through your email. And that means you can really closely monitor activity, particularly if you're in a situation where your access is not consistent. Then you open up your email, boom, 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 five comments. You can listen and you can respond and they'll never know whether you're in Tuscaloosa or Cape Town, you know. For those who don't have campus integration into their LMS, there are free accounts that people can get and fairly inexpensive accounts that people can get that limit the number of voice threads that can be started by the instructor. And you have to manually put the students in the group or you have to share a link with them. But right. There are ways of testing it without full integration. Yeah, every human being hearing this uh, podcast can go out and go to voicethread.com, watch and listen and try it. But the roster management informations are more limited. It's all manual. We did it manually for about six months. Then we went to a limited use license and our concurrent users went through the roof, we couldn't manage it anymore, so we went campus-wide. I'll also add that, you know, they're off Flash now, it's all HTML5. Excellent. I love the product, obviously, and I really haven't found a product that does what VoiceRed does. We've tried, and as you know, in state university system, we're supposed to search the earth to find something that can compete, but they're always current technically, and they're very adept at informing their public about their improvements, and I would also add that they offer a lot of online live sessions that are synchronous, as well as a history of their tutorials. I could provide you some links for that, but they're easy to find. Google will get you there every time. And in the show notes, we'll provide links to VoiceThread as well as some samples of information about them. Great. Great. So you brought up some things about VoiceThread being on top of technology and moving to HTML5, which is great. That does help with accessibility. Can you talk a little bit about other accessible features that you're aware of with VoiceThread? Yeah, it's possible to caption every single video comment and anything that needs captioning can be captioned. They also have an alternative user interface for people who have special needs. To be honest with you, I've only looked at it. It's not nearly as pretty, but then again, it's not for people who are looking at it. It's for people who need to hear it. But they are compliant, and they've been compliant longer than most of the products we've been using, including things like contrast font size. They're sensitive to the issue. That's really exciting because I feel like a lot of times these media opportunities often don't think about that. So it's nice to hear that this particular one is one that you can use from the start and know that it will be okay for students and faculty. Let's go back to the integration with the LMS. So by being integrated, it means any grading is automatically put in the gradebook, right? Yes. And the roster is already there, so you create it and it becomes available just as another assignment. Is that correct? Yes. To be specific, using LTI, every time a student or a faculty member clicks on a VoiceThread link, only faculty can create the Blackboard link. 
But this is a little bit, let me just get into the weeds very briefly. If John were opening up his online course with a voice thread at FIT, every student who is brand new to FIT, once they click on that voice thread link, their account is provisioned. Once their account is provisioned, they can also alternatively go directly to fit.voicethread.com and they can actually use the VoiceThread user interface to create as many threads as they want. There's no limit Excellent. right now on that. And faculty can do that as well. So what I often do is we provision the accounts in our training sessions, and then I show them how they can build all their voice threads without having to work through Blackboard. And then when they open the new link in VoiceThread, they can select from every VoiceThread they've created to either select one, or they could actually select, say, five and have them all appear in the course in one window. You know, so it's, it's pretty good. So could you give us a feel for how widely it's been adopted in terms of some of the varieties of disciplines? Yes. Okay, I've got a lot. First of all, it's used a lot for storytelling in liberal studies. FIT does not have a liberal arts degree major. We have a liberal arts minor, but languages are very important. So some people are using it to teach foreign languages, repeat after me, or speak in Italian, you know, and tell me how to get to the Colosseum from the airport. And so they get to hear excellent, fluent speech, and then they get to respond in kind. They also get to hear each other, which is very good. I mentioned that they're used in critique for visual arts. I also mentioned how they're used in art history. There are some professors who use it only for lecture because they find that it's just so easy to do it. It's easier than even putting a voiceover on PowerPoint. And they like the fact that if they do want to open it up to comments, they can. Are they using it for lecture capture or are they using it for flipping the classroom? Well, actually, it's kind of both. So if somebody's doing a lecture on what's called blockchain supply, they might have a PowerPoint they do a voiceover on. That might be assigned to be, by the way, in face-to-face, -face, blended and online, this happens. Watch this, listen to it. If you have questions, add them. And then in the classroom, they review the questions that were asked and they talk about the content. So you're flipping and screencasting all in one big ball of yarn. Other ways that it's used is students telling stories, students creating their own threads. I think I mentioned that earlier. And I think that among the most popular ways it's used is students creating assignments, giving presentations. So final presentations often are done that way, especially in fully online classes. And I could go on, but I won't. Could you give us some information about the volume of use? How many voice threads are created there? Yes. Well, today is almost the end of the semester. We have a couple of straggler classes early next week. Let me just give you a quick background. FIT has about 1,200 faculty. About 75% of them are part-time, which is typical for a city university. We have about 9,800 students, and we are running about 2,500 sections a semester. So that gives you an idea of scope. From August, when the world becomes alive again, planning for September, uh, we have created 714 new threads. Now, this is not including threads that are used year over year. Because let's face it, you know, the story of Michelangelo doesn't change much unless they unearth new content. So these are new threads. 
During the same period from August 1st until today, there's been 4,421 hours of VoiceThread use, which also could be translated into 7,303 comments. Another way to look at that is about 53 comments a day are pulsing through VoiceThread at FIT. But there are peaks. I mean, I have a chart that if you just visualize looking at the stock market since two years ago to today, that's how comment use ups and downs during the semester. So it sounds like it's been a fairly viral expansion that has grown pretty rapidly since you adopted a few years back. Yeah, actually, to our surprise, because initially it was a sell. Faculty were not typically comfortable with technology, still get a little skittish when they're being trained. But it doesn't take long for them to warm to it, especially when they hear and see the students. So I would say if you asked me five years ago, I would say we're still pushing uphill. But we hit a point where also new faculty tend to be much more interested in taking risks than faculty who over the years have developed strategies that they feel very comfortable with and a new product might disrupt that. And I know, speaking for myself, training people with VoiceThread and using it in my teaching are two very, very different experiences. I, too, sat there biting my nails, waiting for my students to reply to my first VoiceThread. So that's the beauty of being both a teacher and an instructional designer, is you have to practice what you teach, and you also have to acknowledge when some of your ideas are not necessarily as effective as you hope. So I've got a whole bunch of humble pie sitting in my office now for some of the things I've done. I think we all do. How did you start to integrate it into your own classes? Experimenting with this on your campus and then, so how did you find to integrate it into your own class and your teaching practice, really? Okay, well, I teach a course on collaboration in creative settings. And my icebreaker is actually, tell me a story of the best and worst collaborative experience you've ever had. And then the way I did it was, I got a video of a campfire. And while the campfire is burning, I said, everybody, you know, pull up to the campfire and let's swap stories. And so it's just that one perpetual loop of video with students saying, oh, I was in this class last year and nobody did it all did the work and we had a big fight and we almost failed. And then somebody else would say, well, that's nothing compared to mine. And it got into this very good natured competitive thing. And I just had a couple of stragglers who I reached out to outside of VoiceThread to encourage them. Now, there are some things in VoiceThread that have improved dramatically for those of you who looked at VoiceThread, say, three or four years ago. Two of them are direct reply, whereas if you had a student with 10 students made comments, you would have to say, and Rebecca said this, and John said that, and this all makes sense in terms of the lesson, whereas now, If John makes a comment, I can click on direct reply and it'll appear like a thread where my comment to him is direct. And threaded commenting makes it even more effective instead of having to feel like you have to listen to every single one. You can say, I went into this conversation. So if Rebecca makes a new thread, John can reply to it directly. But if Rebecca just goes around and replies to others, she just shows us a a secondary bubble next to the main comment. And more importantly, from a professor's point of view, there's something called private comment, where John, as the teacher, can say to Rebecca, your answers are really, really long. You're digressing off the point. I'd like to delete this comment and have you do it again. 
And the students do take that guidance very well because they can see it's private. It's got a big lock on it. The other thing that is easier to do now than before is to moderate. So in Blackboard, a lot of people like the feature of nobody can see other comments until the first comment is made by each individual. That way, they're not doing intelligence collection to make their comment even better than anybody else's. And you can do that in VoiceThread, too, by turning on moderation. So you can basically say everybody has until next Wednesday to make their initial comment in response to these questions. And then the professor can actually review all of the comments to make sure all the comments are in and then lift moderation and everybody else can begin to listen to and respond to each other. It requires a little bit more attention, but if it's a graded assignment, the way VoiceThread works when you're grading is you see a list of all your students who have submitted and all of your students who have not. And there's a handy little reminder button saying it's 10.30 on Sunday night, have you visited your VoiceThread yet? And the reminders work very effectively as well. Grading works nicely on that. It integrates fully to the Blackboard gradebook. And so you can manually set up the equivalent of a post-first discussion then? Yes, you could do that. And even if, say you have a VoiceThread that's lasting for two weeks instead of one week, Mm Students can all weigh in, have their interactions, pause, turn moderation back on, make a new comment, and then begin the process again. Okay. Just requires attention. You've hinted a bit at student engagement throughout our conversation. Can you talk a little bit more about how students have been engaged using VoiceThread? So knowing that FIT is a college which is about half business and half visual communications, in the broadest sense of the word. People can learn how to make shoes and dresses and belts and jewelry, but they also learn how to do marketing and entrepreneurship and so on. The one thing they all have in common is presentation skills are essential. It's not optional. So VoiceThread has immediate recognized value to the students who know they have to get up in front of a class whether it be virtually or in person. So this is a great tool. And it also gives them a chance to hear their professors in presentation mode, where they actually get a model that they can follow. That coupled with the fact that students do not have a fear of the microphone as much as some people who never had to communicate in those modalities. You guys may remember, I know, John, you've been in online for a long time, that a lot of professors used to create these personas, like I'm a spy in a trench coat with dark glasses and a (laughs) pompadour hat. And they didn't necessarily recognize that their sheer presence and personality was enough. And so they became bigger than life personas. And what this does is it breaks down what I call the third wall, where in a flipped classroom scenario, there's bi-directional activity in some way or another, or accountability for your activity by communicating. And this really works well. We do not have problems with students using VoiceThread, except oddly enough, and maybe coincidentally, the students who don't participate until the last minute. (laughs) That's always an issue. Waiting for a thunderstorm to take that Wi-Fi down or, you know, an earthquake to break the cable. But for the most part, very, very few complaints at all. Our biggest issue was going through three different types of authentication systems. People who were early adopters who had not revisited, we had to merge their accounts. New users, it's seamless. Was part of the expansion then pushed by students suggesting it in other classes or word of mouth among faculty? We do show and tells. 
So I'll give you an example. There was one voice thread that really kind of rocked the school because everybody gets lecture, right? You know, here's a painting, here's a story, here's a doodle, you know, whatever. But one of the professors in textile development convinced her husband to help her shoot microscopic shots of knitwear and of fibers that are the equivalent of looking at them through a high-powered microscope. And then she would actually do these beautiful narratives where she would talk about the over and under and the fiber content and so on. And then she would have the students look at other microscopic photography that was put in there, and they would each have to do an analysis. And so it was technical, it was visual, it involved drawing, and it was not the kind of showbiz that a lot of times we do when we use media. It was a strictly technical course, and it was really fascinating to see how that grew. The minute other people teaching technical things began to realize that, because FIT has a very robust knitwear division. We have looms, and we're famous for our knitwear. So knitwear analysis is also very important, as is pattern design. Uh, as a matter of fact, don't be caught in a cheap sweater while you're walking around here. You know, somebody will tell you that for the same money, you could do better. <laughs> Someone so, should have reminded me of that before I showed up for the visit a couple of weeks ago, <laughs> <laughs> which was a great visit, by the way. I was really impressed. It was fun to have you there, John. So student adoption has never been a barrier. And at this point, I'm wondering what the next thing is. Because one of the questions that we discussed was, what is next? And I think a huge part of what's next is the way education is changing. For instance, there are some faculty who still have very deep grade books where they're grading 30 or 40 items in a semester, all of them uh, using percentages and letters and so on. And I'm beginning to encourage faculty to understand the nurturing aspect of the learning space and to not make everything a gradable item. Now, obviously, this is academic freedom. This is not something that would ever be anything other than a prescriptive as an alternative. But when you do a voice thread where you just grade them on completion, it liberates them to be a little bit more dynamic. It also liberates them to speak up. So in a sense, by making it pass-fail, it's almost like they get tenure for an assignment where they can say anything they want and not get graded down for it. And I think that the discourse is really important in the classroom for students to feel that they can ask challenging and direct questions, especially when the content is not specifically science-based. You know, because obviously if we're working with algorithms or if we're working with cellular biology, how challenging can you be? I dare you to show me mitosis. I mean, you know, you can't, it doesn't work that way. But on the creative thinking and critical thinking skills, many people play it safe, just like politicians. So if we de-escalate some of the accessible tasks to have very specific outcomes and to make a clear line, you need to do these 11 things to pass. If you do seven, you won't. But if you do 11, you will, but you won't get like a super duper A or a super duper F, you know. Uh, so I think that VoiceThread allows you to have evidence-based performance and to relieve them of some of the burden of being graded for every five inches they move. And I do this warm-up in my class where before I even introduce myself, this isn't my face-to-face -face class, I said, I would like some applause, please. And they don't even know who I am, so they'll clap gently. Somebody will do woo-hoo in the background or something. 
I said, now I want you to clap like you want to get an A in applause. And all of a sudden, it's loud clapping and cheers and excitement. And I said, and now I want you to clap like it's a C. And then they immediately begin to realize that they're raising and lowering their performance in order to be graded appropriately. And that doesn't necessarily mean they care about what they're doing. You know, so one of my colleagues heard the cheers coming out of my classroom <laughs> in the first few minutes and said, like, what did you do? Like pay them or something? <laughs> and I said, no, they were clapping like they wanted to get an A. Now, I know that VoiceThread isn't specifically about assessment, although it connects up to all the assessment tools. But I think that there's a causative relationship between how we grade and how students perform that is, I think, a little bit of the secret of opening the classrooms to more dynamic interaction. So it shifts from extrinsic to more intrinsic motivation. Exactly, exactly. And I feel that what that does is it builds up more trust in the learning space. So you can hear me, you can see me, and I'm not going to get a bad grade if I have not been able to be as comfortable as my colleagues in this environment. Because I'm sure many of us could say that some of the smartest students in the beginning, they kind of run out of gas sometimes as you're going to the 10th week of the semester, but some get stronger every semester. And so if they're graded harshly in the beginning when you're nurturing them, they may never dig out of the hole and get a decent opportunity unless we make some things, maybe you got to grow, students. Let's make this something where I recognize everybody is not the same starting point, but we all have to go for the same outcomes. So some people will start off a little slower and they'll get power. And I find personally, I would love to have that argument at the end of the semester of why did so many students do well? Now, for those who are going to try VoiceThread, are there some things you'd recommend as good practice and some things you might recommend as pitfalls that they may wish to avoid? Practice with your friends. Don't just think that because it's another tool. I mean, I've had faculty that in training, they immediately, the first time they use it, they say, hi, this is Professor so-and-so. Welcome to my class. And they're trying to actually do the welcome in a room full of 10 other people all talking at the same time. So a best practice is to practice and not share it with anybody or to practice with your colleagues. And what we do is we have an administrator here who will say, John, I would like John and Rebecca enrolled in my class so we can all practice together. And they'll do that. Another good practice, which is really something everybody should be thinking about, is how are you lit? I mean, so many people, when they're in video, they look like it's a hostage video, you know? I'm stuck in a basement somewhere in, you know, Midwest, and I have no idea where I am, you know, but if you practice with lighting, so what I encourage people to do is to sit facing a window so they get natural light that's softer, as opposed to putting a lamp right on their face, which makes them look super high contrast. You need to look friendly and comfortable and also be careful what's in the background. This is true of all video, but I still go to life drawing and I have some paintings and I left them in the background of one of my videos. And somebody said, you have naked people in your office, you know? (laughs) And so I quickly realized that the frame wasn't cropped the way I wanted it to be. So I just re-recorded it. It wasn't a big deal, but people tend to not necessarily pay attention to those optics. And that's part of the professionalism. One other question is, I know at FIT class sizes are limited to 25 typically. 
how might this scale? Have you talked to anyone who's used it in classes of 40 or 50? Yeah, I'm so glad you asked that question. Let's just make believe 25 is onerous. We don't have a lot of lecture classes here. So the idea of like 200 people in a room or even 100 or 50 is, is, is unheard of for the most part. But here's what I do recommend. Groups. Okay. You, you can take a voice thread and create it, and then you can clone it as many times as you need to, and then use group management, which works in Blackboard, as we right. all know. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, your group of 50 becomes a very manageable side. The group work worked really nicely. And don't handpick your groups. Just let them happen. It's just my own personal opinion, but I'm sticking to it. Okay. You get more surprises that way. So uh, I think we wore out this topic, right? I, I think so. Yeah. This is really interesting. Now I'm going to try it next semester. I've been going back and forth for years. My enthusiasm is unabated for the product because so many people have taken a long time to get comfortable with it. But when they do, they use it. I actually say to them, please don't use it every module. Don't use it every week. Use it like you use the special Mediterranean oregano, you know, only (laughs) for the dish where you're really going to taste it. And I think that you'll be surprised. Okay, this was fun. Thank you, Jeffrey. This was fascinating. Yeah, so exciting. I can't wait to try it. Thank you very much. It was great to share. And I hope people find value in our discussion. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or your favorite podcast service. To continue the conversation, join us on our Tea for Teaching Facebook page. You can find show notes, transcripts, and other materials on teafortteaching.com. Music by Michael Gary Brewer. Brewer.